Good morning from Oakland, or occupied Huchin, Ohlone territory in California. I'm Kat Petru, and I'm speaking with Rawan Yagi, who is in Gaza right now. And where exactly are you in Gaza? I'm in uh, Gaza City. How are you doing at this moment? I'm doing okay. It's a bit difficult trying to stay focused, trying to live normally while something like this is happening you know that a lot of people are are getting hurt and you know that it's not a normal situation not that anything in Gaza is normal but it's a time where events intensify and where people's feelings intensify as well and it's infectious especially in a place like Gaza It's really small, it's very crowded, and if the general atmosphere is that of agitation, then you'll get infected, (laughs) and if the general atmosphere is depression, you'll get infected as well. So yeah, right now I feel a lot of feelings, actually. I feel a lot of worry about what's coming. I feel a lot of anxiousness. But I also feel hopeful because I feel like there's a movement growing uh, among the young generation in Gaza. Uh, And that is the movement of refusing to keep silence and refusing to rely on other political entities to represent us or to represent our voices. So yeah, trying to remember that when I'm feeling down or when I'm feeling anxious helps. Yeah. I know we spoke briefly um, what was last night in in California and this morning for you in Gaza. And you were trying to decide whether to go march or to stay home. And your parents were worried for your life. Not everyone has that experience. Is there anything you want to say about that? Yes, definitely. What I uh, experienced this morning gave me another perspective about my life in Gaza and that is that I have to make choices that most other people around the world don't have to make but a lot of other people around the world do have to make. We've heard about so many activists who have risked their lives fighting for their causes and they've chosen not to take the safe route which is to be silent. Today I I couldn't decide, I I actually got dressed and had breakfast and I was about to leave, Uh, but my parents stopped me and I decided not to go because I could see how much fear they had and I could see how much anxiousness they had. And my mom's reaction, my mom's um, kind of please stopped me from going, so I decided to stay home and watch from afar and go to the protests some other days or nights where people are not so agitated or when the other side or the the Israeli side is not so tense. Mm -hmm. Fridays tend to be the most crowded. So a lot of people go on Friday because it's our weekend. Today, especially, um, young men and women have decided to 
burn tires so they can blind the uh, snipers. In other words, so the snipers can't target the protesters. And that just creates a whole different scenario where anything can go wrong. Not that things don't go wrong normally, like last Friday where um, 17 people were killed. It just adds another layer of worry or concern. And I have to say, I'm still convicted about whether I should have gone or not, because if everyone felt similarly, we wouldn't have a protest. I'm one individual, and um, just trying to reconcile the worry of those you love with uh, what you're trying to express and where you're trying to go physically. Unfair isn't a strong enough word for the kind of choice being asked of Palestinians. The term martyr comes up a lot, and of course you have loved ones, and your life is just interwoven in your community and in this decade, centuries-long theft and violence. And so the weight is intense. The feelings are strong. And I've heard, you know, the attention that this does get in the United States, of course, in the mainstream is completely lies coming from Israel. Mm -hmm. And then in the more alternative media, even sometimes you hear more the facts, perhaps. And that's very important. And also, I just... I want people to understand the depth of the feeling involved in what's going on. Mm -hmm. I think that's a very important uh, angle to look at because, yes, as you said, often the media just looks at um, numbers, pictures, statistics and facts, and they just forget what happens behind all of that, which is filled with feelings, filled with uh, with love. I was actually talking to Nadia today and um, she said something like, uh, I'm sending you a lot, of, a lot of love. And then she said, I hope that, I wish that um, served our people. And I said, of course that serves our people. It's the first thing that is targeted in our community because our feelings and our uh, mental states are uh, are really important in what happens and they can be points of strength or weakness. And every single person who chooses to go to the, the front lines where the snipers are, what does it look like there? So today it looked really, um, it looked really epic. It looked like... Um, like a scene from um, an end-of-the-world movie, because, like I said, the protesters have, have decided to burn a good number of, like, tires, right. which create black smoke. Luckily, the wind was going eastwards, so the smoke was carried to the side of the Israeli snipers. And generally, it looks... It, it shifts between looking really joyful and really nice. As I mentioned in, in the article, there were, sometimes there were people singing, sometimes there were uh, boys playing football, um, sometimes there were 
there were crowds just chanting. And other times, they were full of tension because you could hear the sniper's bullets being fired or you could hear the tear gas being fired. So it's not a, it's not a static environment. It's very dynamic. It's full of movement and it's full of sound and it's full of color. It's exciting and it's hopeful and it's scary at the same time. And every person who shows up there is making a conscious choice to be there. Yes, definitely. And that is indicative of of how much love there is. It's indicative of how much Palestinians love one another and their land and their freedom. I was going to say love Palestine, but I've heard Nadia say Philistine. Mm -hmm. Philistine, yeah. Is that, and uh, this is a naive, but it's Arabic, isn't it? Yes, it's the Arabic for Palestine. Yeah. Language plays a big role in this, of course. I mean, of course, in the words you choose to communicate what's happening, but also which language you're speaking. Did you want to speak to that? Um, no, just um, emphasizing what you said, that the, the protesters are there because they've, they've chosen to be there. Um, there's a lot going on in the media about who's running the protests and nobody's running the protests. These are all people who have come out to express their feelings or their demands or what they want or to simply demand the, the right of return to be recognized as Palestinians who have gone through seven decades of uh, estrangement and exile and uh, hardship. So yeah, it is, it is a conscious, conscious decision and it is a decision full of love and hope, but also because it is Gaza and because of the history, the recent history that Gaza has been, been through, it's also full of a desperate kind of love. You mentioned... One of the things that gives you hope amidst tremendous fear and worry, and maybe anger, I imagine, in there somewhere, rage, perhaps. Do you feel those feelings as well? Definitely. I think since I've come back to Gaza, these have been constant feelings that I've carried because of uh, my own personal life, but also because of the general situation and the kind of static tension that is in the air. Mm -hmm. I mentioned that in one of my other articles, just walking through the streets or being here. You kind of just breathe it, uh, the worry and, uh, and the fear. Not just right now because of the protests, but because of what Gaza has been going through. In terms of being kind of pushed to the side and kind of disregarded as a, um, as a place full of human beings. There are feelings that I feel very often, but also are intensified right now because of what's happening. Of course. You mentioned amidst all of this, you find hope from young Palestinians, young people, coming together 
and forming a movement. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about that? What's happening at the march is something that I haven't seen for a long time in Gaza. Gaza's been referred to when you talk about division, when you talk about poverty, when you talk about aid, etc. But the marches are not about any of these things. It's about men and women going out together and challenging all of these images that are being attributed to them. They're challenging the narrative of division and they're challenging the narratives of of aid, of being pushed to the side, of not having free will, etc. And I think that's that's very hopeful because it's opening a new a new chapter in in the history of Gaza and in the the current situation of Gaza because people are saying that they've had enough of being pushed to the side, they've had enough of coping, I guess, coping with everything that is being pushed on them, with with the pressure and with the gradual increase of the pressure. So they're just saying no to every to all of that. And they're mostly young people. But they're not they're not only young people, which is what is nice about this march. It's it's everyone. Everyone who wants to express the demand and the demand of the right of return or anything else, really, such as all the things that I've just mentioned. All, everyone can, can go there and do that. I, have, I think two, two more questions in the moment. One is how people on, the, on this continent might be able to support you all over there and the other is just um what else you would any if there's anything else you would like to share um to answer your first question um i think people in north america can just listen to their own minds and hearts looking to looking at the facts looking at the stories and listening to the voices of Palestinians i think when they start to listen they will know what they what they need to do and that is to do what they think they're right really <laughs> and that can take many shapes and many forms but i think some of the most important things are are supporting the ongoing efforts for BDS. Boycott, divestment, sanctions. Yes, and um, supporting the, the narrative that Palestinians are trying to spread around the world. And I think, um, like I said, once they start listening, they'll know what to do. Yeah, I appreciate that. It's tempting, I think, people want they scramble for some some answer, but it's definitely not universal. The ways that we can all in our in our own communities and our own small ways chip away and resist the violence, occupation, the colonialism 
of the settler state of Israel. Thank you for saying that. Thank you for asking the question. I think it's a really important one. Yeah. And I think everyone should should not be should not feel restricted with what they can do. I think um, peaceful resistance can take many, many forms. To answer your second question, I, I feel like this was a really nice interview and I hope that more people can start asking questions like this and asking about the, the personal side of Palestine, which is also collective because it's one struggle right. for us Palestinians, but it also resonates around the world. Uh, and it's one that a lot of people identify with and a lot of people see themselves in. And it's not a struggle just for the Palestinians. It's a global struggle against colonialism and against injustice. So thank you for having me on your show. Thank you so much, Rowan. It was such a pleasure and an honor to hear from you today. Likewise.